If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all, my name is Moses. I just want to remind everyone that this is part 18 of a multi-part series. Today, Sonia will be interviewing John, but before that, I will briefly summarize what we've covered so far in the series, and then we will return to the discussion. The summary... The Gospel according to John is challenged by skeptics because it is so different from the other three Gospel books, presenting a clear picture of Jesus as the divine Son of God and a clear picture of the Gospel of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Skeptics have long claimed that John was published late in AD 90s and that these elements are legendary elements that developed over a long period of time. However, these attacks are bogus. First, as we saw, even if John had been published in the 90s, that would still have it be within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could confirm or deny these elements. People today can remember back to World War II times and the Holocaust. True, average lifespans were shorter in Roman times than today, but that was mainly because deaths in childhood and military encounters. Those who survived could expect to live as long as we do today. In fact, liberal scholars seem to realize this and originally claimed the Gospel books were written after AD 130 and John no earlier than AD 160. These dates were set forth by one F.C. Bauer on the basis of not evidence but philosophical musings about how Christianity might have come about. This is why it is so important for us to demand actual evidence for such claims. In this case, the discovery of a fragment of a manuscript of the Gospel according to John that dated to AD 125 at the latest proved that the supposed assured results of critical scholarship were wrong. Skeptical scholars were first to admit that all the Gospel books date to the first century, which does not allow for enough time for legends to develop and be incorporated into these writings. Legends do develop through the years about historical characters, but what we believe about Jesus was there from the very beginning. Furthermore, by pushing the Gospel books late, liberal scholars make Paul's letter the earliest New Testament writings. And there is nothing in John that is not already in Paul. Nevertheless, some evangelical scholars have been induced to even denying the historicity of the Gospel according to John and treating it as mere wisdom literature rather than historical narrative, and even likening it to a parable that was not meant to be taken as history. These claims are being used by Muslim apologists to undermine the truth of the gospel message and combined with other attacks on the gospel books by liberal scholars can undermine even the resurrection itself. Nevertheless, despite the actual evidence, evangelical scholars side with the liberal scholars in dating the gospel according to John, somewhere between AD 80 and 100. And this is fed to Christians in the pews via study Bible notes and commentaries. Most of the scholars commenting on this have not studied the evidence directly, but are passing on the party line. And when we look at their reasons, we find them wanting. First, Jesus foretold Peter's death in John 21:19 
But that does not mean John published his book after the event, since this was a predictive prophecy by Jesus, just as he foretold the destruction of the temple. And this was recorded by Matthew and Mark, who published their gospel books before the prophecy was fulfilled. In John, also, we see the fulfillment of prophecies by Jesus that had already happened were recorded by John in his gospel book. And there are two passages in the Gospel books, according to John, where the writer should have mentioned the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple if they had already happened, after John 4.24 and after John 11.50. The fact that it is not mentioned indicates this book was published before the events happened in AD 70, blithely asserting that the book was probably written in 80s, 80s and 90s is baseless. Meanwhile, suggesting that the book must have been so late because it presents such a high view of Jesus as a deity should be an unacceptable argument for an evangelical, as it is suggesting that such ideas were developed by the church decades later, rather than being an accurate portrayal of Jesus' self-revelation. Nor does which Jewish groups John does or does not mention help date the book. Nor does the fact that John mentions both names for the Sea of Galilee. Since, as far as we can tell, the second name Sea of Tiberias was used before Jesus began his public ministry. Particularly troubling is the claim that Thomas's confession of Jesus as my Lord and my God in John 20, 28 was a repose to the imperial cult of the Emperor Domitian, who used that title for himself, indicating John was written after Domitian became emperor in AD 81. But that would suggest that John retrodicted these words into Thomas's mouth. In fact, such titles were used long before Domitian and in this case of Jesus are based on the Old Testament titles of God himself. Also, the claim that excommunication seen in John 9.22 only happened after AD 70 is false. We see such things even in the Old Testament. And what about the testimony of the early church fathers? We hear that they unanimously support the late date of the gospel according to John. But that is not true. There's plenty of testimony that John lived to an old age, but not that he wrote the gospel book late. There is no claim of this until Epiphanes in the 4th century, and his testimony is garbled and unreliable. No one else says this until the 9th century. So here is another example showing that evangelical scholars really need to be more careful about checking the actual evidence before making assertions. Now we continue our discussion. Okay, so it's, it seems conclusive that there's no basis for ascribing a late date, like 80s or 90s, to the gospel, according to John. So how do we figure out what the actual date is? Well, we do have some evidence that can bear upon that, and it's two lines of, of evidence. There's the internal, and we talked about what that means, what you can tell just from the actual contents of the book, things like uh, not mentioning things that should be mentioned if they'd already happened, or mentioning things then that did happen of known date. So that's internal evidence. And we discussed one of these already, the fact that in the Gospel according to John, the destruction of the temple is not mentioned. And we pointed out that there's a couple of places where you really would expect it to be mentioned if it had already happened where he's speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, where he's saying that the, the Jews, she's saying that Jews, we worship on this mountain, and you Jews worship in Jerusalem. You say that's the place to worship, and Jesus says the time is coming where neither here nor in Jerusalem will you worship. Like, why are they not worshiping in Jerusalem? That was, 
integral to Jewish religious life. That's a good time to mention that. Well, because the temple was destroyed. And then later on, where Caiaphas is saying that, look, it's, it's, if we don't stop Jesus, the Romans are going to come and, and destroy this city and this place. And if that had already happened, you would expect at that point to be a mention of the fact that that had already happened. So that, that's a form of internal evidence on this. There's another one, and this one is more subtle. And this comes from one of John's narrative comments or editorial comments or, or known as parenthetical comments. Do you know what those are? Um, I suppose it would probably be something like he, he's telling the main story and then he gives some kind of side comment that's not related to the, the main point or something. Well, it, it might be related to the main point, but yes, exactly. What you have is narrative, maybe recording a speech, but then a comment put in by the... The author himself. Please note that this is a multi-part series. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word. Yeah, where he's recording an account, a story, a speech, and then he, he interrupts it with his own little commentary on it to make things more clear, to clarify something. And the thing about narrative comments, they are inserted at the time of writing. So when a writer records a speech that somebody gives, that speech was given at the time that the person said the speech, and the writing of it could have been much later. But the narrative comment is put in by the author. He's not recording something that happened in the past. So the narrative comment is inserted at the time of writing, which means the tense of the verb in the comment can be present. Yeah, it's based on when the action took place relative to the time of the writing. It could be present, could be future, could be past. If it was an event in the past, then the, the tense would be in the past. You see that, for example, in John eight twenty seven. Could you read that for us, please? They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Yeah. So this comes in the middle of recording one of Jesus' speeches where he's saying, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. So right in the middle of that, John inserts this little comment. They did not understand that they spoke to them, that he spoke to them of the Father. That's not part of Jesus' speech. That's John's comment. And it's in past tense. Because relative to the time that Jesus said this, to the, relative to the time John wrote this, that was in the past. So that's that's how you're that that's how your narrative comments work. Does that does that make sense? Of course that yes, that has to be in the past because it he's describing Jesus's speech which is in the past relative to jo the time of John's writing. Sure. And if the comment explains an 
an event or a practice that is ongoing at the time of writing, then it should be in the present. It should be in the present tense. And we see an example of this in Mark chapter 7, verses 3 to 4. And here's the, the account where the Pharisees and some of the scribes came to him, and they were complaining because they saw that his disciples were eating bread without washing their hands. So, if you can read from verse 2, which is part of the narrative, and then 3 and 4, which is the, the explanatory comment. Okay, so starting at verse 2. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Yes, here, here's one of the ways that we know that Mark was writing to a Gentile audience, because he's explaining these Jewish customs. You wouldn't need to explain them to a Jewish audience. So he's writing to Gentiles. But what he's doing is explaining why they got upset about uh, Jesus' disciples not washing their hands before they ate. It was a religious thing, and Mark explains that to his readers who may not understand it. Now, this is an ongoing practice of the Jewish people at the time, ongoing. So what tense does Mark use there? The present. He uses the present tense because it's something that is still in the present to him at the time of writing. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part, same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.